Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. This is episode 2021.10. As usual, I'm Rohan Karamandi, and with me I have none other than Mr. Phil Hawthorne. Hey, Phil. Hey, Rohan. How's it going? Good. This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and ESP Home projects. Configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. So, a couple of exciting announcements. Home Assistant Amber, let's start with that. Yeah, like, so, like, what, in the past month, Home Assistant's turned eight years old. Like, first of all, that's yeah. awesome, eight years. I think we say yeah. that every year, but uh still shocks me, you know, that Home Assistant is still, you know, eight mm-hmm. years. Feels like yesterday I first got onto Home Assistant, so. I know. Yeah, time's going very quickly. Yeah, and then and then beyond that, now you know they've done a couple of things. They've introduced Lovelace. They've done a whole bunch of other uh, stuff as well to make things a lot easier to use, and so on and so forth. Uh, we saw Home Assistant Blue, which was a third party branded, uh, or sorry, third party hardware with Home mm-hmm. Assistant preloaded on it. And now there's Home Assistant Amber, which is their own hardware. Um, that was fully designed by the Home Assistant uh, and Nabucasa team. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. So it's based on the Raspberry Pi, the Compute Module 4, which is the same as a Raspberry Pi Pi 4, but it's just minus the Raspberry Pi shell yeah. around it with the interfaces and stuff. Um, it's got a clear case, which is nice. Um, and I do. I think one of the criticisms I've seen online from the Home Assistant Blue was that you know, as a home automation controller, it didn't ship with a radio for home automation. So it didn't ship with a Zigbee radio or a Z-Wave radio. Um, And so the difference here is that Home Assistant Amber ships with a a chip that can support Zigbee and will in the future via a firmware upgrade support the new Matter protocol that is being developed by a whole bunch of um, smart home players. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and... and What's neat too is uh, there's an M.2 uh, expansion slot. So that means you can, uh, so it's got some onboard storage, so you don't necessarily need to use it, but uh, you can put it in like an SSD in there if you want something else with better performance, like for example, your database, like logging and stuff like that. Cool, you can do all that. Uh, the other thing you can do with an M.2 slot is actually put in one of those, uh, oh my gosh, what's it called? The Google TPUs. Um, I forget what the brand is. Of course, I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> but uh, essentially for doing things like TensorFlow and stuff like that, yeah, you can, uh, you can stick one of these uh, TPUs in there and off you go. That is, I mean, that's pretty cool. You know, and one of the things I really like as well is the uh, the PoE option as well, which uh, which is nice. So if you're going to wire it in anyways, uh, and if you have a switch that supports it, you can power the whole device via power over Ethernet, which is mm. beautiful for me. And I think same with the Home Assistant Blue. They've gone with, like, obviously this is a Raspberry Pi underneath. Um, so you could power it via a, you know, you can power Raspberry Pis with a, a USB charger, like a phone charger. But I think in previous experience, the Home Assistant team have, you know, found that, you know, one of the common causes of SD card failures or, you know, Raspberry Pi is not working efficiently is people not using a, you know, a proper power supply with a Raspberry Pi. 
So the home assistant Amber, they deliberately are shipping with a circular power supply. So they don't want you using a phone charger or anything like that. You just use the official power supply or power over Ethernet. That way they can ensure that, you know, the device is getting enough power. Um, yeah. I, yeah, what are your thoughts on Amber Rohan? I know I've got a, a couple. I'm pretty excited for it, actually. I think, um, again, personally, will I upgrade to it? Um, I've got my setup pretty much, again, set up. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know if I will upgrade to it. I, I'm actually considering getting one still um, just to try it, get my hands on it, play with it, whatever. Um, but I do I do think it's a great start. Again, I I'm just with my work and with what I do and just my nature of being me, I think, you know, I, I have other things that I can run this on. Um, but for people that are looking at, you know, having an all in one unit dedicated for this, such as to, to do something like replace the smart things entirely or something like that, or Vera or, or whatever, mm. I think this is a great option. I think, I think it's a good way to go. Um, you know, I, I, and seems to be pretty popular anyways and that seems to be the pretty common uh, opinion it's 147 percent funded right now mm. from what we saw right um and and you know that might go up by the time this recording comes out so i don't know but i i don't know yeah i'm i'm, I'm excited for it and, and it sounds like they've they've thought about where to go in the future a little bit too um and I, I know I was listening to a bit of the FAQ that they had uh, that they that they had uh, streamed, and even on there they were saying, you know, what happens when the module five comes out, something like that. Well, if it's the same uh, architecture as the four, then great, you can just swap it out, and bam, you've got an upgrade, right? But um, and and again, that M dot two slot is pretty nice too to to be able to put uh, you know whatever expansions in there that that are supported by M.2. Again, they'll need drivers and mm. stuff as well. But once that's in there, I think that's a pretty solid option. So I, I like it. What are your thoughts? To me, it seems like, so, you know, we had the Home Assistant Blue, which is just this all-in-one, but basically you take it out of the box, you plug it in, and Home Assistant is ready to go. Now, the Home Assistant Amber seems to be a bit more, um, you know, heavy uh super user focused i should say you know it's yeah. a clear case you can actually see the internal guts of this thing um it's not uh, a nicely designed home assistant blue case that you would have seen you know that nice metal mm-hmm. tin no this is literally a clear plastic box over this thing so yeah i think and there's also different options right you can uh purchase a pre-assembled uh unit from home assistant yes. amber and you know basically you know similar to a home system you turn it on and away you go or you can get kits maybe you've already got a compute module for or you want to get a different uh a more powerful compute module for the however that raspberry pi are selling those now um you know there's those options there and you can build your own and put it all in uh to me i, I don't know like only having that one m2 extension port you're either getting an ssd drive you won't so for example you won't be able to get an ssd drive and do like a video card in there to do your like tensorflow or anything like that so you know you, you are restricted in that right yeah i i agree i agree it's the question is do you need the uh built-in space plus an extra m.2 card right uh for mm-hmm. storage specifically like an mvme or whatever solid state drive but i i i, I agree with you there 
I, I, I don't know how big of a use case that is, though. Me either. I think and that that was just me being like, oh, you know. Yep, yep, I get it. I was actually about to purchase a Home Assistant Blue. I was like, oh, um, you know, I want to find, you know, some dedicated hardware. And just, you know, I'm over uh, latency issues and, you know, I'm running three instances of Home Assistant. I just want mm-hmm. some nice hardware that is beefy enough. And I was hoping Home Assistant Blue would be the answer to that. And and looking at the uh, comparisons, um, you know, Home Assistant Blue has, an, um, I believe it's got an SSD in there already. Uh, it's got four gig of RAM. I think you can change the RAM in Home Assistant Amber, but you can't change it in Blue. So, you know, there's pros and cons to each. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I think, um, but the inclusion of a ZigBee radio is nice. Yes. Which And having the upgradability to Matter is also a bonus. And having that just work with Home Assistant is very, very appealing. But yeah, just that for me, this doesn't seem like an something that you're going to go into Walmart and buy, right? Or Best Buy. No, no. Uh, I, I, yeah. I still think as a custom product, mm. or, or you're you're buying this with intent, not walking, not instead of walking by it and being like, oh, you know, I think uh, I think I like the this this one looks really nice. Let's get that one instead, right? Like, yeah, whatever, yep. whatever that yep. is. So I think I think that is. I, I agree with you there. It, it is. It, I don't think this puts Home Assistant any. I don't want to say I don't think it puts it any closer to being, uh, you know, general public kind of like so that anybody can pick it up or anybody's, mm-hmm. you know, non technology focused grandmother could pick it up and do it kind of thing. I think, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if that was the intention, uh, but if that, it yeah, was, then I then I agree that it missed a mark, but. Mm. If it's just, I need hardware to run this, I think it's pretty decent. Yeah, I can see that. I think, and maybe that's why, you know, I felt like this is in some way a step down from Blue in that, you know, Blue was basically, I could see that. In fact, it even is like being sold yeah. on stores online, right? Like, you know, just in everyday hardware stores, you can, I can even buy it on eBay here in Australia. So, yes. Yes. Uh, like, it's much more marketable. Uh, to the everyday user. And I think Amber sort of steps away from that. And maybe they, they sort of, maybe Blue is designed for end consumer, you know, the, the average user and Amber is designed for the more you know, technology focused person that's, you know, wants to get their hands dirty. And there's nothing wrong with it. I totally yeah. accept that. And um, yeah, your your average user isn't going to be, you know, sticking. And then I did find what I was trying to say earlier is Google Coral. Mm, the Coral, uh, yes, of course. Which is which is the AI uh, TPU, technically, I guess, mm. is what it is. But it's classified as. But it's it's uh, it's that hardware that you would uh, basically put in for again doing things like machine learning and and object detection and blah blah blah, whatever that is, pose yep. estimation, whatever. Um, but I do, I do, I agree. I think I think this is marketed at a higher technology focused crowd. Yep. Right, or or, or, or crowd focused on more technology. Sorry, yeah. Or, or, wow, more technologically focused crowd. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for. But there you go. I think I think you know that that is a big part of it, right? And and other than that, do people need it? But but I I think like I, I don't know if I agree with you, Phil. On the I don't think this is any less or any any less less easy to set up and deploy than your uh, than the blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the simple reason of the blue still needs, okay, I need to put my SD card in there. I need to, I need to deal with all that stuff. And then when that goes, if that goes south again, 
as SD cards potentially do. Well, no, the the blue is like has is pre-installed with. There's, there is no. It's SD pre-installed. Card in no, I, I agreed, but it's it's. Wait, is it is the SD card? Uh, I thought it still has an SD card in it, or is it no, flash? It's all flash. Oh well, then I stand corrected. Um, yeah, because that was like the appeal for me. Right, like, you literally just plug it in. No, don't have to worry about um, no SD cards or anything like that. Um, the blue is just ready to go. It's basically pre-installed with Home Assistant OS. Um, and away you go. Yeah, because it's the Odra. You know what? You're absolutely right. It's the EMMC uh, mm-hmm. built-in storage, right? So, which is that's right because they had issues with SD with uh, the recorder. Yep. Uh, because the recorder would just destroy the SD cards. So it it is based on the Odroid, right? Whereas this is based on their own custom plus the Raspberry uh, yeah. Pi Four compute module. And I guess, you know, if they're trying to venture out and doing their own hardware, there's nothing stopping them, you know, in, like if this is their first, maybe they're doing like the Tesla, right? You create an expensive car and, and get people that, you know, are willing to pay for the tech um, onto this first. And then maybe, you know, next year we'll see a more consumer-focused product that's not based on Odroid, that's, you know, built by, you know, Nabucasa, but more consumer-focused and, you know, might not have, you know, the extensibility but at least they've controlled the hardware end to end. Yeah. So, but but the problem is with blue as well. Again, there's no like I still need to go out and get my whatever Zigbee Z Wave um, yeah. radios. I mean, in this case, it doesn't come with Z Wave; it comes with Zigbee. Mm-hmm. But I still need to. I need to go get it right, and then yep. plug it in, set it up, blah blah blah. You still need to set it up on this one too. But it's uh, actually no, sorry, I don't think you do need to set it up. I think no, it shows up is what they said. Yeah with uh, amber Mm -hmm. so in in that sense i actually think amber is a little more plug and play than blue is Mm -hmm. in that sense right to get started on yeah using that that kind of like radio based stuff so i don't know it's 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 a tough one i i I don't think either one is perfect right um i personally i think i i would prefer an amber over a blue Mm -hmm. um just because I think it has more to offer, but I do think it's, I don't remember what the pricing is like for the blue, but I do think it is um, a little bit, actually, it's not too far off. I'm, I'm looking at the Amber right now on the crowd supply um, and it is 149, I'm assuming US dollars um, plus I guess $20 shipping to me. The blue, yeah, I think, I know at least in Australia, I can get it for like $350. I think it is Australian. So what's that like? 200 ish us mm-hmm. so pretty yeah comparable. i'm looking right now so it's about a hundred and it says here on i'm just looking off of the blog post which linked mm. me to ameridroid.com uh, which is uh, 165 us okay well, for that get... i think i would actually rather the amber it's a little cheaper the the i do i do agree with you about the case i think i think the case looks way better on the blue yep 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 uh, no, no doubt there. But then, I guess if you're getting cheaper and you're getting that Zigbee radio included, like the Zigbee you radio can, can cost you easily, you know, another fifty bucks. Exactly, but I and and I do think that I'm trying to think because it it was it's been a couple of weeks now since I saw the launch, but um, I believe there is a radio port on the uh, Amber as well. If you want to put an external radio in for the Zigbee uh, antenna, oh, that's cool. Or 
Or maybe they, they were saying that they took it out, and I don't remember which one of those <laughs> it is. All right, so it's either there or it's not there. Good to know. Yes, it's, that was extremely helpful, I know. Yeah. Um, and obviously they can't do uh, Z-Wave. I know a lot of, they got a lot of criticism um, for not having a Z-Wave radio in there, but you know, Z-Wave you know, is different to each region and a lot more pricier. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to criticize them for that because... The the I, I do I do agree. I wish it came with the Z Wave radio, but or Z Wave radio. But I I I also see their side of it is again. There's licensing costs. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of that kind of stuff. So now this this device from you know whatever 149 could potentially be two hundred dollars, two fifty, yep. whatever. Not to I, mention you then have to manage stock of you know all right. This is an Australian version. This is a UK version. This is yeah. a US version. Right? Like just becomes yeah yeah yeah. I forgot that. Yeah, I forgot that, that Z-Wave has those kind of issues too, right? Because it's, mm. it's like Wi-Fi where you need specific uh, frequencies for specific uh, areas. That's but it. I, I, I'm surprised that Zigbee doesn't, or does it, and I just don't know it. I, I haven't looked at it, to be honest. Oh, so isn't Wi-Fi universal anyway? Because Zigbee uses the same like range of Wi-Fi. Um, so you can actually Wi-Fi get... isn't universal, though. Like, but the new Wi-Fi like, is... stands are. Well, from a BGN perspective, yeah, but it's still there's still different spectrums for different uh, countries. But well, how come I can use my phone, like go overseas and access Wi-Fi in the hotel? Because a lot of times there's common frequencies that they set in. Right. Okay. So it doesn't it doesn't have to be the same. So for example, um, like using like again two point four gigahertz, like channel thirteen is available in Japan, but it's not, or maybe this is old. But it, <laughs> it, 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 channel thirteen exists in Japan, but in yeah, Canada it's right. actually illegal to use it. You'll actually get a knock on your door from industry Canada threatening to arrest, get it to put you behind bars um, for, for interfering with uh, unlicensed spectrum. Fair enough. Yeah. So I know Zigbee like is in that same like 2.4 spectrum. So depending on what Wi-Fi channel you've got at home and what channel Zigbee is using, you can actually sort of run into some collisions there. So yeah. Yeah. So 2021.10. Yes. Let's get to it. All right, new features, uh, and the big one uh, from this release, we've spoken about it in a previous episode, is the new official two-year integration. So you'll know um, if you've got a Wi-Fi device, there's a good chance that it is uh, backed by two-year. You know, if you've gone to, like, your local hardware store and, and picked up a, anything smart, right? I know down here in Bunnings we've got uh, Netgear, Brilliant. There's a whole Arlec, whole bunch of stuff. Even Kogan stuff is all pretty much two-year based as well so Tuya have created an official home assistant integration they are managing it now um, which means there's no risks of an api going bye-bye in the next release and all your integrations that you've all your entities that you've worked hard to put into home assistant go away there is a, a caveat though if you've run the two integration previously uh, once you upgrade to 2021.10 you will need to set it up from scratch uh, and that's because mm. they've rewritten it completely and there's a brand new API that you have created specifically for Home Assistant. So uh, I think everything's there except for covers. They're currently not supported, but they'll be coming in a future release. So two are aware of it and they're working on it. Not bad. That's that's pretty good. See, and I know, I know again, whether it's in public or even in private and, and we've talked about this with Paulus and Paulus has talked about this a few times as well as, you know, the kind of power of open source and being as large as the home system project is, is being able to push organizations like mm-hmm. Tuya to have proper APIs and 
do this kind of thing, right? That's um, right. I mean, is it a fully open source API? I don't know. I didn't I didn't look to be honest. And and you know, is it are they opening it up so that other folks can use it too? I'm not sure. But uh but at least it's 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 a step in the right direction, right? So yep. Moving on, uh, ZWave.js now has support for Security S2. Um, if you're not familiar with it, it is a newer standard um, for security devices. Uh, so things like locks, sirens, so on and so forth. Uh, Home Assistant can now connect to those devices. So it's great. That's good. And something just come out of nowhere, I guess. ESP Home has added encrypted communication. ESP Home and the ESP Home integration now have uh, support for communicating encrypted with each other. Um, so Otto Winter, who was the original creator of ESP Home, has been working hard adding this layer of encryption to the ESP Home API, uh, which utilizes the noise protocol. So besides the 2021.10 release of Home Assistant, you'll need at least ESP Home 2021.9.0. And you need to configure your ESP Home devices to enable encrypted connections. Uh, that's really cool. I guess that's adding just another bit of security. If you know yep. you're a bit paranoid about you know a device on your network being able to sniff the traffic going along, now no one can uh, you know see what the temperature is in your bedroom uh, without having that encryption key. I was <laughs> I was going to make the joke of uh, people won't know if my kettle is turned on or off, but ah yeah, that's also that's right. a good one too. Yeah, that's right. There you go. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, I think I think it is it is great. I am I am all for that. Uh, encrypt everything. Mm, exactly. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Let's talk about some new integrations here. Um, Amber Electric, so I guess they're an Australian energy retailer um, who exposes an API with the current energy price. So basically uh, what you can do is you can go a step further. So basically set up devices to you know shift energy usage to greener times and so on as well which is uh, which is pretty nice. Um, so there's a binary sensor. Essentially, if there is a price spike um, and essentially, you know, you can do whatever you want based on saying, hey, mm. there's a price spike and... Turn off the uh, oven or turn off the dishwasher, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully yeah. not mid-meal, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or mid-wash. But yes, yep. uh, that, that's, the, that's the idea there, which is pretty neat. Mm. Uh, air things, um, so that's a new integration. So air things themselves are little air quality sensors that you can put around the home. So that's now integrated into Home Assistant. Nice to see. Uh, Crownstone. So this uh, integration basically allows you to um, control your uh, Crownstone smart plugs or switches via the cloud or using their USB dongle. Nice. And yeah. Whirlpool Sixth Sense live appliances there's a bit of a tongue twister for you so That's owners right. of those devices can now have those controlled in home assistant currently only supporting climate devices but yeah i know whirlpool's a popular brand down under um mm-hmm. so yeah i'm guessing there'll be more to come from there nice uh some other noteworthy changes uh reno the car manufacturer uh now, if you have their electric car, you can actually get device tracker support and climate control into Home Assistant. So 
That's a nice little uh, bonus there. Like that. And uh, there's a new is number template filter and function available for those um, that love to use home assistant templates like myself. I've run into this quite often where I'll be trying to do some maths inside a template and it will cause an error because the state or something has gone into a non-numeric state. So right. uh, yeah, you can now have a, an is number function. Um, it will turn true or false and tell you, yes, the variable you're testing is a number. So then you can put that in an if condition block and then go away and do your maths against that. That's pretty exciting. Mm. Um MDI, the material design uh, icons. So there's, uh, it's been upgraded to V6, which uh, which brings a bunch of new icons. Uh, but because of that, some names may have changed, but hopefully not. Yeah. And if you'd like to poke around in the developer's tools, quite often you'll notice that there is a new statistics tab. Uh, it should allow you to view the statistics across your entities in Home Assistant. So anything that's going into long-term storage or, you know, and when you open up a card, you'll see those graphs and state history. That's all now accessible from that statistics tab. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now. Um, neat. All right, breaking changes. Uh, there's a bunch more other release notes. These are just a couple that we kind of picked. So Moon Entity. Um, so if you like to track the state of the moon uh, in Home Assistant, uh, basically it would never have a primary moon phase state. So essentially it would go from, like for an example, uh, from waxing gibbous directly to waning gibbous, um, and it wouldn't have a full moon in between. So now it'll properly show full moon, first quarter, new moon, full, first quarter, full moon, and third quarter. That's cool. So yeah, there you go. I don't know why I struggled with that one. <laughs> All right, Honeywell Lyric is uh, a bit of a change here. So the polling interval of this integration has been decreased to 300 seconds or every five minutes to reduce the chances of hitting an API limit. So if your automations are expecting, um, you know, things to be a bit slower, maybe I'm guessing it's decreased to 300 seconds. So Mm -hmm. the polling interval has decreased. So I'm guessing that's faster. But then reduced chances of hitting an API limit makes it sound like uh, it be been increased. Incre- yeah. yeah. So I'm going to say that, you know, we're checking every five minutes. Previously, it was probably every once a minute, I would say. Uh, so, yeah, just be sure to, if your automations are relying on data that's coming in every minute or faster, it has been, there is now a speed limit and it's once every five minutes. There you go. Uh, tracker. Uh, it's been removed as the API is no longer available. It's a service similar to Tile. And I actually had a bunch of these and I did not like it. So... Fair enough. There you go. It's. Go I think on. the company. I, I want to say the company just like died, but I don't know. Yeah, something like I've I've heard some bad things in the press about it. So maybe like it has. Yeah. Yeah, I, I bought a bunch of these. I think I had like eight of them or something like that. And was did you not like happy. the app or? I just didn't like all of it. Um, it was. Oh, there you go. We regret to inform you that Tracker will no longer be supported on Apple or Android devices after August fifteenth. Oh, yeah, that's gone. Like, if they're not supported on the phone, then what is supported on? Yeah, there's literally two icons. It's Apple and Android icons. Uh, Yeah, so so they're dead. Um, Yeah. But uh, I stopped using them a while ago. Just I was just, I don't know why, I was just really not happy with it. Mm -hmm. Um, They stopped working all the time. Uh, They were notoriously unreliable. And I think think it's also, and, and MKBHD actually had a long, not rant, but... Yeah, he had an episode about this talking about how Apple is basically 
eating a lot of their ecosystem partners as lunches, right? So like, for example, yeah. Tracker, as an example, with now they have the air tags, mm-hmm. right? Which they're Absolutely. going into the tile territory and stuff yep. as well. So that's a that, problem. And even like the rumors of like Apple making an electric car, right? Like, um, I know a car's not very different to, you know, like a Bluetooth device, like a Bluetooth tracker, but mm-hmm. still, right? Like that would surely make, you know, Tesla and a few other the car companies a bit nervous that someone with enough of a, a bank balance that Apple has, you know, that could afford to run, you know, manufacturing of cars at a loss for quite some yeah. time, uh, entering into their territory, like you'd surely be a bit nervous. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, Tesla's been doing it for years. Yeah. Their yeah, company into exactly. a lot. So, sure. Speaking um, of Tesla, uh, yeah. so they've also been removed in 2021.10 um, because the Tesla login security, um, they've changed that around a bit. So, yep, they've removed due to increased Tesla login security, preventing third parties to log in to Tesla accounts. So Home Assistant can no longer control your air conditioning in your car and can't see, you know, where the location of your Tesla is within Home Assistant anymore, which by the sounds of it, you should sell the Tesla and buy a Renault. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm getting after this. So uh, (laughs) they've added more in the Renault and uh, taken away from the Tesla, so. There you go. That's it. That's it. All right, Ryan. So we have uh, so yes. two epi- two release episodes ago, we announced that we were running a competition. Uh, we basically ticked over 100 episodes of the Home Assistant podcast in our feed. And now we are in the process of releasing a new show that we are slowly working towards. It will be out probably next year, let's be honest, but we're aiming to get it out sometime this year. Um, and to celebrate, we have decided we were going to give away uh, a year's worth of Nebuchadnezzar. We're basically going to send someone sixty US dollars, which is a year's worth of Nebuchadnezzar Cloud. You can then sign up, and we've paid for it. And yeah, we got a whole bunch of submissions through our form. Uh, a lot of people went above and beyond. They actually sent us in not only what their favorite automation was, but also the code behind it. You know, either in a mm-hmm. blueprint format or in just a YAML automation, which was weren't expecting that. So thank you to yeah. everyone that submitted the form. Unfortunately, not everyone can win, um, and we've got a few that we want to mention today, and then, of course, we'll announce the winner. But um, one I loved reading about, um, which is a very close contender for me, Raham, um, and I, I cl- I'm glad John Heary that submitted this is in the UK because it sounds like something out of a Wallace and Gromit house. <laughs> but uh, what's, what's he's got here is, I didn't know whether to submit the most extravagant or most useful, so I decided to go for my most checked this out automation my recliner has two little touch studs for up and down and they started to play up only working sometimes and also working sometimes when you didn't want them to so imagine sitting in your chair and you know all of a sudden it starts reclining when you didn't touch anything i decided to stick a dual relay with an esp running tasmoda onto the motor instead of the buttons i then wrote an app daemon app for controlling them this was cool, but was a bit of a faff having to open my phone to move the recliner. So I created some set positions and added input booleans for those positions. And using the Harmony integration, I programmed some buttons on my Harmony remote to control my recliner. So now, when turning on the shield when it's after kids' bedtime, the lights all dim and the recliner reclines. Comfy. Like, that's cool, right? Like, yeah, that's go in. Cool. Go in to watch TV, press your button, TV turns on, the lights dim down, and your chair reclines for you. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I mean, I'm, I like I'm lazy. That. This is a new level of lazy, and I love it. <laughs> uh, 
I like it. I really like it. So, yeah, John, awesome, awesome work there. Uh, there's another one here uh, from Joe, which I really liked. Uh, and and Joe's got uh, type 1 diabetes um, and basically says, I have type 1 diabetes and I'll often forget to reorder supplies from my insulin pump and glucose sensor until I'm out, resulting in a delay uh, for up to a week to get new supplies, which is very not good with your diabetes. Uh, favorite automation is tied to when I change my supplies, I'll scan an NFC tag in my bathroom, which will keep a uh, running tally of my supply inventory and send me a push notification when it's right time to reorder. So then, which is pretty cool on its own. Mm. Then Joe said, uh, recently I started tracking uh, the length of time each infusion set lasts. And then with my recent interest in Grafana, I started graphing averages and trends and put it on my site, which keeps a running tally of my uh, supplies and other statistics on my diabetes, which to me is actually just, again, as somebody that just loves graphs and and data points, I think, you know, that's pretty cool. I mean, what are you going to do with this information? I don't know, but maybe it'll come in useful one day or if not, just pretty graphs. Great. Why not? Nothing wrong with that. That's really cool. And I like the um, the use of NSC tags. Like I have some Xiaomi buttons around the house. I'm yeah. I'm sure I've mentioned it on the podcast before. Tied into grocery. Um, so, you know, press the button, you know, I've consumed, you know, this item. Um, and then yeah. grocery, you know, automatically does the shopping list for me. So, yeah, highly recommend. Like a great way to uh, use NSC tags as well. Uh, Lewis from the USA has uh, automated his cats, well, sort of. Um, so they've got five cats, a number of which, um, were, they were dumped, uh, as tiny kittens. So, uh, it says the most recently added cat is terribly abused by a couple of the early cats. So we keep them isolated from each other with the newest cat living on the second floor of the house and the two disagreeable cats not allowed up there. Our home was built around the 1830s and is an old farmhouse. It has a door to the stairs to the second floor, and we keep that closed most of the time to petition the cat domains. Peace and harmony then ensues. When the two agreeable cats are outside, we'll open the door to the second floor to allow the cat that's normally upstairs a chance to prowl around, especially in the basement for some mouse hunting and other activities. That door gets left open when the upstairs cat is catting around on the first floor. Here's where the automation comes in. I have a cheap wireless 433 MHz RF door sensor on the door to the stairs. It talks to a Sonoff RF bridge with Tasmoda and uses MQTT to push the state of the door into Home Assistant. When either my wife or I come home, the Wi-Fi device tracker sniffs our arrival. In addition to turning on the outside lights, it will send a notification with pushover using a siren sound if the door to the stairs is open. Thus, the upstairs cat has been freed. This is our cue to ensure that we don't allow the disagreeable cats to follow us in through the front door as we enter, thus assuring continued peace and harmony and no screaming balls of fur running all over the house. Life continues to be good. And this is how I automated one of my five cats. So, Lewis... A lot of, I guess you must love every cat in your house. That sounds like a nightmare to me, having to partition your house. <laughs> yeah, depending on your cat. Yeah. That's but, yes. funny. Um, but, you know, I guess that's, you know, a good use case for home misses, isn't it? You know? That's right. Keep the cat segregated. That's right. That's right. This is another nice one. Um, and I'll, 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 it's another longer one too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll summarize it. And again, we're going to put all these in the show notes. So if you want to check out the whole versions, um, has podcast.io and just have a look. Uh, but basically, uh, this is from Roy in the Netherlands. And, uh, 
you know, presented the, the automation I'm most proud of pre- presented itself two weeks ago. Uh, and I didn't know it was the most important one in our life and it's never fired once. So essentially what happened is, uh, there was almost a fire and, uh, there was a electric bicycle battery, uh, which is charging overnight and, and some, some, something inside probably failed and, uh, it started smoking pretty bad. The smoke detector detected it and kicked off the automation. So essentially what that means is, uh, they had an automation going there, which was tied to the smoke detector. And then because the smoke detector went off, all the lights turned on and smart speakers were announcing that there's, uh, uh, that there's, uh, something going on and where that, uh, that was detected, which mm-hmm. is actually really cool. Um, and thanks to the automation, I could react fast and accurate. So it never came to a fire. So basically, uh, Roy took the battery pack, threw it outside, hosed it down. It apparently felt pretty hot to touch, uh, but hadn't gotten to melting yet. So, uh, if it wasn't for that, uh, it would, if it wasn't for that automation, uh, it would have taken them too long to figure out where the fire was and God knows what would have happened. But also it says we would have been woken up by the alarm screaming, but then it still would have been pitch black as it's the middle of the night. Um, and we wouldn't yet know where the danger was. Right. So mm. you'd be running around the house, checking all that stuff out. Um, but basically, you know, what if the power went out because of a short circuit, they're thinking of getting a UPS and, and trying to figure out how they can improve on this uh, whole piece. Right. So, um, which is, I, I, again, I don't think it's an overly crazy automation, like in, in, in from a complexity perspective, but I, 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 I like this one just because it's, it's kind of, it, I'm, well, I mean, it potentially saved Roy and, and, or his family's life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I kind of like just simple, but very effective, right? This isn't one you think you'd need or care about. And it's but. one that probably, as he says, doesn't fire every day, right? Like it's literally hanging out in the background. You don't know it's there and then until you need it, right? And then bam, there it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I, um, I was really disappointed. I actually bought a whole bunch of Nest smoke detectors um, literally the week that Google decided to close down the Nest API. Yeah, because um, but I really like the smoke detectors in that you know when something gets like a, a smoke is detected, it tells you where in the house it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I really like that feature. You know, like fire or smoke detected in the kitchen. Yeah. You know? Um. So yeah, I think that's a really smart way to, and in this case, it helped immensely. Yeah, I've got two of them. I I I still like them. Mm-hmm. Um, I know again, there was a bunch of issues with the API, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, for me, it's still, it's still connected to my home assistant instance. I'm still looking at it still says, yep. okay, okay, green, whatever. Yep. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. I, I, I like it. But I might have to buy some more then. If I yeah. In house. I'd, I'd probably, I'd probably, I mean, today, if I was to do it, I'd, I would probably get like a Zigbee one or something like that. Yeah. Right? That's what I'm thinking, right? Like uh, just keep it I, out of the cloud. Yeah, I, I, I do love the silence function, though, on your yeah. phone. Like, if I'm cooking something, I burn something, whatever. And you can just wave to it, right? Like, hey, it's fine. Like, shut up. Can you? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure to. that was one of the selling points. Yeah, you just walk. Like, if it's alarming, it goes, you know, you're burning. Like, you just walk up to it, you wave, and that's enough for it to say, okay, it's not serious. I want to say they turned that off because of ah, accidental something, something. Course, like, it's a safety course. safety yeah. precaution, right? A kid walks by or something and it's like, yeah. or like runs around flailing their arms. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see but that. I, 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 I might be wrong. I might be wrong, and I probably am, but um, I want to say that's not 
there anymore. But listen, for me, just the ability to turn off the alarm mm. without having to grab like a stick a or towel. you know take the old towel and, yep. <laughs> and yep. start waving it. Everyone's whatever. been there, right? Oh, a hundred a hundred times at least, right? Yeah. So I like it. Yeah. All right, so another submission that we really loved uh, was from Mike in Canada. I'll summarize this one, um, but Mike's got twins, which uh, he says makes his life complicated, to say the least. He's tried to make their rooms and schedules less complicated by making it more complicated, and I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast knows exactly what Mike means by that. Um, so he's created a whole suite of automations and he's actually been nice enough to share them up on GitHub um, as a nursery package. So we will obviously have links to that in the show notes on haspodcast.io as well. So be sure to check that out if you're interested. Um, but yeah, his favorite so far is not only to himself, but also to the visiting grandparents during the nap and bedtime routine is the activation of the camera on the TV. So when nap mode is activated, um, which is done by just a Xiaomi Zigbee button. It turns off the lights in the room. It sets the doorbell ESP to not ring, but use a push notification instead, which um, I can attest having a ring doorbell is absolutely necessary if you have a sleeping yeah. baby. And then it also sets fans and humidifiers and the white noise in the room basically at that nap schedule. Mm -hmm. But he says the favorite part is when it does uh, this. So it waits for the Android TV box to be available and not sleeping. So, you know, make sure it's you know, turned on and there. It will then turn the Android TV box on, which in turn uses HDMI CEC to power on the TV. Uh, it then pushes the uh, Android ABD commands to launch VLC with a specific RTSP stream to his Unify cameras he has set up in the nursery. And then he sets the TV volume to zero because they've already got a portable uh, audio monitor elsewhere. And yeah, that's it. And then obviously when nap time's over, the reverse happens. So yeah, it's a great way to have the nursery uh, camera and everything done automatically. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and also saves him not needing to buy a, a baby monitor device as well, which is handy. Which is always a great thing. Yeah. All right. Um, but Rohan, the winner. Take it away. This one I thought was... <laughs> I actually read this one. I, I got a good chuckle, but it's at the end, there's actually, a, there's actually a good reason why. I'll read this one in its entirety. My automated toilet flush made with a D1 Mini and a car central locking motor. It has a magnetic reed switch to know when the lid is open and can lock the bathroom door. Then the flush can be activated via voice or touch the existing flush uh, manual push button, which has a touch sensor connected to the metal coating or by closing the lid. And all of those are HA automations that can be turned on or off. This is important for me as I have arthritis and pressing the flush button did hurt my fingers. Uh, and that's from Philip in England. And, and it's, it's at first I, I thought this was, this was pretty funny just, but then, but you know, this is actually a really good, I, again, I didn't think well, I forgot that arthritis could happen mm -hmm. uh, on your fingers. And, and, and again, it can be extremely painful too. Right. So there's definitely a really, really good reason. And I love the even the touch sensor that's on the mm -hmm. metal flush there, right? Um, and then honestly, I didn't I didn't think to, I wouldn't have thought to do uh, like a toilet automation like uh, like this, but yep. I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. I quite like it. Um, so I think what I quite like about this one is that it's, you know... <laughs> So many moving parts. It's like the car central locking motor. Like 
is used there. Um, you know, so many like mm-hmm. things like clearly, you know, having to lock the door, unlock the door, you know, pushing buttons and all that, that you know, just those strenuous, you know, joint movements yeah. one can now be automated with Home Assistant. And I guess, you know, I remember, I think it's been a gag, like whenever anyone talks about like smart homes, like surely the toilet flush automation yeah. is there, right? Like someone has made that joke a million times. But here we've actually seen that there is, you know, a, a validity to that use case. And I think Philip in England, yeah, well done. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and and it's, it's to me, this has everything, right? A, a, a bit of like that, like, I don't know, like a like a punchline almost, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. but but it it's uh it's it's also you know it's 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 a very good reason why and uh, and I don't know I I think it's pretty innovative so yeah well Philip uh, we'll be reaching out to you via email sixty US dollars on its way to you for one year's worth of Nabucasa Cloud uh, hope the arthritis is doing you okay and yeah that pretty much concludes thanks everyone for entering the competition as well yeah we really enjoyed. As I said, there's been lots of people submitting, sharing YAML with us, uh, blueprints. It has been a really great response. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. All right. Well, I guess that's going to wrap us up for this month. We will be back uh, for 2021.11. Perfect. All right. Cheers. Cheers. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.